We begin today the Gemara on Dav Kuv Beis Amid Beis, the second wide line where it says Tanur Rabbanan. Tanur Rabbanan, we learned a brayse that says the following expression: Halikeach Sada B'Shem Chaverei, you buy a, a property, but it's in the name of your friend. Ein Koyfin Oisai Limkar, we do not force him to sell it to you. <clears throat> now the Gemara is going to explain in a moment what the kavan of this brayse is, but first let's see the translation of the words. Ve'im Amaloi. Almanas, if you tell him, you tell the seller it's with this condition, then then you do force him to sell it to you. So the Gemara asks right away, my Omar, what is the meaning, the simple meaning of what this Brayse is saying? Omar Rav Sheshes, Rav Sheshes explains, this is how we have to understand this Brayse. A person is buying a property from his friend, but he's doing it now. He's buying the property and he's telling the seller that you're selling this property for not, not for me. You're selling the property to the Reish Golusa, to the head of all the Yidin and Golos. And the reason why he's doing this is because he doesn't want anybody to come and challenge and, and argue with him regarding the ownership of this property. If people will see that it says in the document that this property is being bought for the Reish Golusa, so then everybody will stay away. Nobody wants to start up with the Reish Golusa. So now, but what's the truth though? Really, he's buying it for himself. Ain't kaifin oisai, Reish Golusa limkut. We're not going to force the Reish Galusa to sign and write a document to him that really this property belongs to you. But if, however, this person told the seller very clearly that this condition that you're going to write the document that it belongs to the Reish Galusa, but it's only on the condition that the Reish Galusa will then write me a document that really I'm the true buyer. Then we will force the Reish Galusa to sign this document that it's really belonging to you. That's the Pshar and the Braise. Now the Gemara will analyze and explain this halach, both of these halachas, the beginning, the Reisha, and the Sefer of this Braise. On Mamar, on the Reisha, the Braise, it said, Halakech, Sadeh B'Shem Reish Galusa, you bought this property, but you told the seller that you're not buying it for yourself, you're buying it for the Reish Galusa. You don't force the Reish Galusa now to write for you a document that it really belongs to you. Says the Gemara, Meklal, but what you understand from this Braise is the Mikne Kanyale, that this person did acquire the property for himself. Even though he tells the seller, I'm not buying this property for me. The seller, all the seller knows is that this property is being bought by you for someone else. You're just a shliach to buy it for the Reish Galusa. That's the impression that the seller has. But nevertheless, since your intention is, the buyer's intention is that he is buying it for himself, he will acquire it for himself. Says the Gemara, Leme, shall we say, Plige de Bnei Marava. That what it says in this Braise argues with what the Bnei Marava said. Now, Bnei Marava was quoted earlier here on this Amud. People of Eretz Yisrael, they had a Shailam with Rabbi Yechen and said earlier on this Amud, what was the Swara they said? The Omri, they said, they were speaking about a case of a Shliach. When you send a Shliach to go ahead and buy, a person sends a Shliach to go and buy for him wheat, and they're buying it from, from somebody. And this person that they're buying it from, the seller thinks that he's selling it to the shliach. He has no idea, Bechlal, that the shliach is buying it for someone else. So the Bnei Marav said, Who lets know, the seller, that the true individual that he's selling to is to the Mishalech, the one that sent them. The Bnei Marav were talking about a case where the shliach deviated from what the, what the, what the Mishalech told him. Mishalech told him to buy one thing, and he went and decided to buy something else. So in such a case, 
when the seller is selling to this shliach that decides himself what he wants to buy, even though the money that he has in his hands is the money that came from someone else, but nevertheless, the seller has no idea about this. The seller sees you, and you decided what you wanted to buy yourself. So therefore, the Bnei Marava said, how would this Kenyan work that the Mishaleach should also get a share in what's being bought over here? If the Mishaleach has no, sorry, the, the seller that is, has no idea that there's someone else that it's being sold for. So over here, in this case as well, this person comes along and tells the seller, what I'm buying is for the Reish Galusa. And here it's, it's sort of the opposite. The seller has no idea that what's being bought is for the Shliach. Over here, the seller thinks that it's all being bought for someone else, for the Reish Galusa. So why should you have any acquisition in this if in the Kavana of the seller, they're selling it to the Reish Galusa? So Elamai must be that this Braise is saying that even though the seller thinks that they're selling it to the Reish Galusa, but since you are buying it really for yourself, we go according to your Kavana, the buyer's Kavana. If he's thinking that he's buying it for himself, he will be kainet. Says the Gemara, If this is your question, it's not a question. Because the case here is, The person let the seller of the property know, he even let the Edom know as well, that you should know, really I'm buying the property for myself. But I'm asking you, nevertheless, write into the document that you're selling it to the Reish Galusa, so that people, people should think that it's being sold to the Reish Galusa. But the seller is well aware that it's being sold to him. Ella, the Gemara says, according to this Pshat of Rav Sheshis, and this Braise, aim is safer. The problem with this Pshat is, what it says in the Sefer is hard to understand. What does it say afterwards? Almanas, if the buyer told the seller that even though you're writing into the Shtar, that it's being sold to the Reish Galusa, but nevertheless, it's on the condition that then later, the Reish Galusa will write me a Shtar that it really does belong to me, then we force the Reish Galusa to write this Shtar for the buyer that it belongs to him. So the Gemara now asks, based on what are you forcing the Reish Galusa to take this action on your behalf? Am I? Why are we forcing the Reish Galusa to get involved there and do this for you? Let the Reish Galusa say to this person, I don't need your honor, the fact that you're using my name to protect yourself. And I don't need your disgrace as well. The fact that now you're using me, that I have to be here to your service, to write you a star, that really this property belongs to you. What forces the Reish Galusa to do this service for this person? How could the Braise say, because you made this condition with the seller, so now the Reish Galusa has to play their role for you, even though they didn't ask for this at all. So therefore, Allah, Mabaye, Sabaye says, the Pshat and the Braise is different. The Braise is saying like this. And the beginning of the story is the same. You're going to say Reish Galusa, as Rashi is here. The, the, the story starts the same. A person buys the property and he wants to buy it in the name of the Reish Galusa so people shouldn't come and bother him about this. Now, what the Braise is saying is, We won't force the seller to, after the seller wrote one star, that it's written in it, that it's being sold to the Reish Galusa, if the buyer now comes back to the seller and says, I want you to write me now a second star where we'll say clearly that it does belong to me so that later on, let's say the children of the Reish Galusa shouldn't come and argue with me and say that this belongs to them. We're not going to force the seller to, sell, to write a second star for him. But but if the buyer clearly made a condition, Al-Menas, that I'm, I want you to sell me the property, and the first document you'll write is that it's being sold to the Reish Galusa, and, but then you're going to write me a second document that belongs to me, then then we do force the, 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 the seller to write a second document that he's selling it to this person and not to the Reish Galusa. That's the shot over here. So this is all between the buyer and the seller. 
So this makes sense. You can make certain conditions between the buyer and the seller. You're not involving someone else. That you're forcing someone else to play their role over here for you in this. What, what does anyone else have to do with this? So now the Gemara explains the Braisa according to Abayas Pshat. So what did the Braisa say here according to Abayas? You buy a property, you tell this buyer, the seller, to write into the star that it's being bought for the Reish Galusa. They, they can't be forced now to write a second document on your behalf. It's obvious. Why, why should you have the right to go and force them to write a second document for you? I would think, you can say to the seller, you knew good and well that this property here I'm buying for myself. <laughs> and the fact that I was writing into the Shtad that it belongs to the Reish Galusa, it's a Panachia Balma. Panachia means I'm just saving it from other people that would come and challenge the ownership of this property. And Vizuzi Bhdi Laishadina. I'm not throwing out my money for nothing to buy this property for the Reish Galusa. It's, it's sort of an unspoken agreement. It's self-understood that I'm expecting you to write me later on a different star that you're selling it to me. So therefore the Braisa tells me that this no, there is no unspoken agreement over here. The Omale, the seller, can say to the buyer, Inyana of the Loch Ba'adea you have this condition or you have this matter that you can take care of between you and the person that you want me to write this property on their name. Let him go ahead and write you another star. You're going to have to deal with the Reish Galusa that now has a document on their name and they're going to have to take care of this of you and I'm not going to expect it to write you another star for this. What did it say in the safe of the Braise? According to uh, Abayis Pshat that is. If he makes a clear condition with the seller that you're going to write me a second star later on, then so you force the seller to write him a second star on his name. Again, obviously, you made this condition. You can make any condition in a sale, so you made this condition there. He didn't really make a clear condition with the seller. It's just that he told Aiden, those witnesses of the sale, that in front of the Meicher, he told them, you should see that I'm interested after this to have another star. This star now says that it's being sold to the Reish Galusa, but you should know I need a second star. But he didn't make it a clear condition. So therefore I would think to say, the seller could say to the buyer, I thought when you were saying this to the Adim, you meant to say to them that you're going to get a second star with the name that was sold to you from the Reish Galusa that you wrote uh, their name now in the document. Kamash Malon. So therefore, the, the Braise is teaching that the buyer could say, the, the reason why I was verbally, I spelled this out and I said it to the Edim in your presence when the sale was happening, because I wanted it to be clear. I wanted you to hear this. I need you to write me a second document that this property is being sold to me. I'm not going to the Rej Galusa to get this second document. But that doesn't make it two owners of, the, of that property? Not the real, the sale is, it's just a name that they're writing. He's making it clear that it's being sold to him. Like the Gemara already said before, he makes it clear to the seller that he's the buyer and the seller is yeah. selling it to him. And That's this not the... It goes out to best and it goes out to the world. And there's two stories of it. Yeah. One says the Reish Galusa and the one a day later says it belongs to him. But the real, the, so the real star is going to be his star. So he's saying, how, how is it going to help him later on? It's going to be, it's going to be two shtaris, and it'll, it'll become an argument. Right. These okay. two shtaris are flying around the yeah. best. Yeah, okay, I hear what you're saying.
I don't know. Sagt die Gemara, Rav Kahane, Yav, Zuzi, Akitna. Rav Kahane paid someone money for flax that he bought from them. Saif, now, now this flax that he paid for, the way the Gemara understands this right now, the flax was there in the possession of the seller and he paid for it and there was a full Kenyan, which is usually by metaltalin, you have to make a Kenyan of Meshiche, but he left the flax that he already bought in the possession of the seller. Now kitna. in the end what happened was the price of this flax went up, let's say went up to double. So now Zavne Marvase, the kitna, the owner, the seller of this flax went without the permission of Rav Kahane and sold it to someone else for double the price. Now, they didn't really do this with the intention to steal the money. The, the seller did it with the intention to make this profit now for Rav Kahana. He's going to give him the money now for the, for the double of the price that it is now. Okay, so now the question was, Rav Kahana came to Rav to ask him, my avid, what should I do over here with this profit that I have now from this flax that the seller sold to me? Ezel Eshkel Zuzoi, could I go and take this money that I earned from this flax that he sold for me? Now, what would be the problem here? So, as we'll see in the continuation of the Gemara, the reason he's asking this as a Shaila is because this could look like ribis. Because you paid, let's say, $4 for this flax. And now you're getting in return back from the seller that owes you money instead of this flax that he was supposed to give you. You're getting in return double. You're getting back eight. So it looks like ribis, even though it's not ribis, because this is not in a situation where you borrowed anything. Ribis is only regarding borrowing money. This is something that you gain through a sale. And by Mecca, there's no union of ribis. But still, it looks like ribis. You paid $4 and you get back 8 so That was his question. Is he allowed to take this? So Rav answered him as follows. If when the seller sold this flax for you, they told the buyers that they sold it to, Hi, kitne de kahanahu. That this flax, it's not my flax I'm selling you, I'm selling you Rav Kahana's flax. Then Zilshkel, you can go and take that money. Because you're not taking this money from the seller. The money that you're taking, the, the people that bought now this flax, they gave this money for you. So you paid the seller for $4. And now you're getting $8, not from that seller. You're getting $8, which is coming to you directly from those buyers now of this flax. So it has nothing to do with ribis. It doesn't even look like ribis. You're getting the money from someone else, from those buyers. But the Eloi, but if... The, the seller did not tell these buyers clearly that I'm selling you the flax of Rav Kahane, then Leitishka, you can't take this money. Because then what happens? Those buyers, they were buying it from this seller that they saw in front of them. They didn't know about any Rav Kahane. So in their mind, they're giving their money, they're paying their money to this seller. And now you, Rav Kahane, is coming and collecting the money from this seller. So then it looks like ribis because you gave this seller $4 originally for your flax and now you're getting back from him, not from those new buyers here. You're getting back from him now double for this. So therefore that looks like ribis. So therefore you can't take that money. So the Gemara explains this pshat that we're saying here in what, uh, in what Rav is saying. What, what's, what's this based on? Keman. Based on who is this uh, pshat? Kibnei Marava. This is based again on the same opinion that we brought before. What the Bnei Marava said. That the, the das of the seller. 
what the seller is thinking about when he's selling something matters. The Omri, and before the Bnei Marave applied this in their case, that they were speaking about, when you have a shliach that's buying wheat, and the seller has no idea that he's buying it for someone else, so the Bnei Marave said, so if the seller doesn't know of this Mishaleach, the owner of the money here, the Mishaleach, then the sale is just for the shliach, and the Baal Mois is out of the picture. So over here as well, the basis of what Rav is saying, that it depends what the buyers were thinking when they were being sold as flax. Did they know that it's being sold to Rav Kahana? Or did they think, no, it's just being sold to this seller here, and they had, they had no idea of Rav Kahana? This whole distinction that it depends on the das of the seller is based on the, what Bnei Marav has said, that it goes according to the das of the seller. That's what it seems like Rav's shot is based on. So the Gemara says... No, that's not the case over here. B'chlal, even if you're going to say the pshat this way, there anyways should be no issue of ribis, as the Gemara is going to explain over here, because basically this seller is a gazlan. He sold this flax to Rav, and Rav just didn't get a chance to pick it up yet. And now this guy on his own, could be he wants to do a favor to Rav, he wants him to make the profit of it, uh, to Rav Kahana that is, and he, he wants him to make the profit out of it, but he went and sold this without his permission. So really, this seller here is a gazlin. If this seller is a gazlin, there's no issue of ribis over here. He has to pay you back the full value that it has now, as the Gemara explains. Can you in any way compare this to ribis? That he originally paid $4 for this uh, for this uh, flax. And now he's taking back eight from this seller. So it looks like he's getting ribis here. What really happened here? What happened is he left this flax in the possession of the seller. And now the price just went up to double. And what, what did the seller do? He's just a goslin. He went without your permission and he's stealing it and is selling it to someone else. Now what's the halacha if someone steals something from you? The Mishnah says, as we learned before, if you steal something, what's the value that you have to return of this gzela? You have to return the value that it is at the time when you're stealing it. So this seller, at the time when he went without permission to sell this flax to someone else, the price was double. So he has to pay back double of what it was in the beginning. This has nothing to do with ribis. It's, it's his obligation as a goslin to give you back double of what, uh, of what its original value was because at the time of the gzela, that's what its value is. So how is this connected to ribis in any way? It doesn't make any difference what the intention of this new buyer is. He knew about Afghani, he didn't know about Afghani. This is the responsibility of the goslin to pay you back, kishas gzela, and it had that more expensive price. So this, anyways, cannot be the pshat and what Rav was saying. So therefore, the Gemara gives a different pshat. Omri, so they explained, Hasam, over there, the story with Rav, Rav Kahana, when he bought this flax was, there was no actual flax here. Amon Havoy. This is a case of a trust. When you're paying someone, a, a, a person that uh, is, a, is a flax uh, merchant, and he sells, he, so he has flax that he sells. And you come to him in a time when the fla- price of the flax is cheap, and you tell him, here, I'm giving you an advance for the whole year, the price for the flax, according to the price that's not. So when you get the, the, the flax, you'll give me the flax based on the price today. And then later the price goes up. That's what's called an amana. And then you're going to get that flax according to the price that it is today. There was no Kenyan here. There was no Meshicha that you have on any flax because there was no actual flax yet in his possession. So you're paying according to the cheap price now. And now what happens is this, fla- this uh, flax seller gets now this <laughs> flax and he can give the flax itself to, uh, 
to the Rav Kahane. Instead, what he did was he went and sold his flax to someone else for that higher price that it's now. And now he wants to give the money to Rav Kahane instead of that uh, flax itself. That's the question. Are you allowed to take this or not? And the Gemara explains, Rav Rav over here follows his reasoning that he says in Bab Metziah and the whole sugi of Rib is there. Rav says, This kind of a deal that you pay money and even though the price now is cheaper and later the price is going to go up and you're going to get double could be of what you paid today. So you're paying the lower price and you're getting back in return. And this, this person now owes you. This is done not as a loan. It's done as a mecca. It's done as, a, uh, as an investment. But you're getting back double of what you paid. It looks like ribis, even though it's not done as a loan, it's done as a, as a business transaction, as an investment, but it looks like ribis because you're giving money based on the cheaper price today and you're getting back double based on the more expensive price later. But nevertheless, Rav said, if what you're getting in return is actual paytas, is fruits, you're not getting in return money, so then because it's derech mekkach, it's like a, it's, a, it's an investment, and it's also paytas that you're getting, you're not getting back money, so therefore it doesn't look like ribis and you're allowed to do this. However, when it comes to money, if you're giving money to a person and then you're getting back double that amount of money based on the fact that the, that the price went up, so then that, that you're not allowed to do. So over here, in this case, when the seller sold this flax and now he's giving you back double the amount of money and you, you never had any Kenyan in any flax at all. You gave money for the flax that he would get and now he's giving you back double the amount of money for that flax that he got and sold for you. Over here, it's going to look like ribis. And it's on, regarding this that Rav said that it will depend on that buyer when the buyer paid for that flax, who did he pay it for? If he paid it for Rav Kahane, then it has nothing to do with his seller. Then you're getting the money from that person directly. But if it has to do with, um, if, you, if, if that person did not know about you, then you're getting the money from this seller, from, from the seller itself. And therefore, it will be like ribis, looks like ribis. And therefore, Rav says it's not allowed. <laughs> Okay, this, this, it's interesting, it's interesting, Allah, I think this is something which actually is probably very practical regarding today, when you invest in, 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 in shares of, of a certain company, and then the price goes up, and then you get back in return, and you're not taking back in return the actual uh, product of the, of, the, of the company, you're getting back the, the money of those shares that you're investing in. So it's derech mekkach, but it, it, it can look like ribis when you invest, and then you get back more. I'm not, I'm, just, I'm not saying any specific details, but I'm sure it's relevant to the way business is done today and, and the issue of ribis. This Mishnah begins sort of a new subject. Before we learn the Mishnah inside, let me just say the basis of this Mishnah is the, the, the Psukim in Pashas Vayikra and in Pashas Nasei, which speak about a person that stole. And then not only he stole, but afterwards when he's accused of this, he swears falsely that he doesn't have it. And, that, and then after that, what happens is he wants to come to do tshuva. And he admits, he was, he's maidev, his vadus chatosam, that he stole it. So now the halacha is, this is what's called asham gizelis. We say every morning before davening in Ezeo Mekayman. So now he has to pay back the principle of what he stole. He has to add another fifth as well, chaymish. And besides that, he has to bring a carbon asham in order to have a full kapara for stealing and swearing falsely. That's what this mission speaks about here. So you steal from your friend a value, it has to be at least a shava pruta. You're not allowed to steal less than a Shavu Pruta, but to be high of this Asham Gzeilas has to be at least a Shavu Pruta. And then the Nishbaloi. You swore falsely about this, so now the Allah will be, you pay the Karen, the Chaymish, and the Asham. 
If when you're paying the principal of what you stole, you have to bring that money to this person, to the nigzal, wherever he is. You have to travel to him all the way to Madai. If you want to be able to get your kapara by now paying a chaynish and now bringing a carbon asham, step one is to give back to Karen, the principal of what you stole, wherever in the world this person is. Don't, you can't return it not to the person's son, not to a shliach. Can't return it in any kind of way like this. Aval, however, there is another exception. What you could do is, you can give it to a shliach of the bezdin, which will hold it, the bezdin will hold it for this person. And then it's considered like he returned it to the person himself. And now you can get your kapara. You'll, you'll pay also a chaymesh. And the chaymesh does not have to be given to him directly. And also the, the carbon ashram you'll bring. Rashi over here says, the fact that you can give it to the shliach bezdin is a special takanas chachamim to make it easier for this person to be able to do tshuva. Because if to travel to Madai will be extremely expensive. And it's even more expensive than this whole money that you stole here. The person will say to himself, I'm not spending all this money to travel to Madai for this purpose. So chachamim made a special takana that you can give it over to bezdin. That's Rashi's pshat in the Mishnah. If the person you stole it from died, you have to give it back to the, the inheritors. If you already paid the principal directly to the person himself, but you didn't pay him himself the fifth that you have to pay additionally. Or if the person you stole it from, he forgave you for the cat, so you don't have to pay that. But he didn't forgive you for the chaymish that you do have to pay. He forgave you for both. You don't have to pay me not the cat and not the chaymish. Not if when he was meichayu, but he left out a tiny drop, which is less than the shavat pruta, and he said that I want you to return me. Bekeren, even of the principle itself that you stole. In all these cases, because there is no shavat pruta of the keren that you owe anymore, so you don't have to go back to the nigzal to the owner to pay this. And you can have your kapara with the chaymish and the carbon even without going to him. If it's the reverse, nasan is a chaymish, you paid the nigzal, the, the chaymish, the fifth, but nasan is a keren. You didn't give him the principle itself. Machalei al chaymish, he was meichel you that fifth, but v'lein machalei al keren, he wasn't meichel on the keren. Machalei al zeh, v'al zeh, he was meichel you the whole thing, the whole gzele with the chaymish. Chutz mishav a pruta b'keren. But a value of a pruta of that principle that you stole, he wasn't meichel. Then tzarech le'lechachrem, you still have to go and return to him that pruta in order for you to have your kapara. No, another If you paid him already, this principle that you stole. Now, this person, so regarding the fifth that he still owes him, he now swears falsely, he's stealing this fifth now. He swears falsely that he already paid that fifth that he owes him. So now, Besides the fact that you have to give back this fifth that you just denied and swore falsely, you have to pay a fifth of that fifth as well. Just like the original keren that you stole and swore falsely that you have to pay for, now this chaymish becomes the keren. This is what you just denied, so you're going to have to pay that chaymish and then a fifth of that fifth. The Mishnah says this will continue, let's say then that fifth of the fifth that you now owed, if you deny that and swear falsely, and then you admit, and now you want to pay the fifth of the fifth, you're going to have to pay the fifth of the fifth with a fifth of that. And this could continue going, and you have to pay this until, as, as long as what's left here to pay is the amount of a Shava Pruta. But if what you're denying is less than a Shava Pruta, then you don't, then you don't have to. 
this entire halacha that we're speaking here regarding a gazlin applies to a pekadin as well. When you had a, a deposit that someone, you were keeping for someone, and then you're stealing it for yourself, you deny that you have it, and then you swear falsely, and then you admit and you want to do tshuva. So the same halachas apply. Keren, chaymish, and asham. Shanema, as the Pasik says in Parshish Vayikra, that oi be pikodin, oi be sumas yod, oi be gezel, oi esek, oi ashak es amitayre, that is, oi matzah aveda, ve kichishba, you denied it, ve nishbal sheker, and then you swore falsely. So the Torah there says you have to pay the areza mishalem, keren, ve chaymesh, ve asham. You pay the principal and a fifth, and then the carbon asham. Okay, so the Gemara here is going to explain the source of what it says here in our Mishnah, that when you pay here the principle of this gzela, you have to give that principle directly to the nigzel himself. You can't give it to anybody else. So the Gemara says, when did the Mishnah say this halacha that you have to pay the nigzel himself if you swore falsely? In this case, you swear falsely, and then you want to do tshuva. Over here, the halacha is you have to pay it to him himself. In. Then, then we say this is the halacha. But now, that would seem from our Mishnah, a regular gazela. you just want to return the gazela, and you didn't swear falsely. It's not your responsibility to give it back to the owner himself. You can give it back to someone else for him. Says the Gemara Amani. So who's our Mishnah going according to? Laid up Tarfin, Akiva. It seems like our Mishnah would not follow not the opinion of Rab Tarfin and not the opinion of Rab Akiva. Why not? The Tanya or the Tanan, this is a Mishnah that says, Gazal Echad Mechamisha. Person steals from one of five people. But the any Yideya Mehen, he doesn't know who exactly is the owner of who he stole from. Each one of these five people comes and claims, I see Gazal. It's me. I'm the one that he stole from. So who are you going to return? You want to do tshuva now and return the item to the real owner. Who do you return it to? So you don't know who it is. So you just put down the gzela on the table amongst them. And then you did yours and you can go away. This is what Abtarfin says. And the Rishayim discuss whether any of these people are allowed to go and take this money that you put there between them because none of them can really prove that it's theirs. But Pashtas Tahalacha here would be that none of them are allowed to take it. It's until we figure out who their true owner is. But as far as you're concerned, you did your obligation to return it when you placed it down in front of them. Rabbi Kiva says, This is not the way to get the person out of the Aveda that he did. He's, if, if he doesn't know who he stole from, so not only he stole, but he doesn't have the responsibility even to know who he has to return to. No, it says responsibility. He has to give back now what he stole to each one of these people separately. That's what it says here in our Mishnah, in this Mishnah. So here you see a machlekes between Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfin, whether it's your obligation to give it back directly to the person you stole from or not, or you could just put it there and allow them to figure it out on their own. Now the Gemara understands that this Mishnah there is speaking about any case, a case where the person swore falsely, a case where the person who did not swear falsely, it, it doesn't make any distinction. So therefore the Gemara asks, Mani, who's our Mishnah going according to? Irab Tarfin, if we were following Irab Tarfin's opinion, it seems Irab Tarfin holds, Afagav de Ishtaba, even if the person swore falsely about this Gzele, and now he wants to come and return it. So Irab Tarfin said, Omar, Maniach Gzele ben Mistalik. You still don't have to give back the Keren directly to the owner, you can just leave it there and let them take it. On the other hand, if we're following Rabbi Kiva's opinion, it would seem Rabbi Kiva holds even in a case where the person did not swear falsely. Rabbi Kiva is saying that the tshuva of a person, you have to, it's your responsibility to give it back to the owner in every case of Gzela. Not only in the case of our mission when you swore falsely about this. 
So who is our Mishnah that says, specifically when you swore falsely, then you have the responsibility, if you want to have the kapara of the Karban to give it back directly to the owner? So the Gemara is going to try a few options here. It says the Gemara, The first option is the Gemara says, we can say that our Mishnah goes according to Rabbi Kiva. The whole Braisi here, what is it speaking about? And when Abakiva, when he says that you have to give it back directly to the owner, that is only if the person swore falsely about this. That's when Abakiva says you have to give it back directly to the owner. My time, man, what's the source for this? Why don't I say this by a regular gazela? Why do I say this only when you swore falsely? Because the Amakro, the Pasik, when it speaks about this, the person that swore falsely, it says, The one that it belongs to, that's who you have to return the cat into. So the Pasik makes it very clear, Dafke, in this case, that you have to give it back directly to the person you stole it from. That's according to Rabbi Kiva. Now, why does Rabbi Tarfin disagree with this? We have here Rabbi Pasik. Says the Gemara, Afal Gav de Ishtaba. Rab Tarfin is arguing in this Braise in the case where you swore falsely, and he says, even though you swore falsely, Ovid Rabbanan Takante, nevertheless, Chachamim instituted that you shouldn't be obligated to do this. You shouldn't have to go directly to the owner because, in some cases, that will prevent the person of doing Chuve. And he compares this to the halacha that we saw of what it said in our Mishnah, according to Rashi's Pshat. Tanya, as we learned in Abraise, Rabalazab Rabsadikaimer, Rablazab Rabsadik said, Takana Gadaile Skinu Chachamim instituted regarding this person that swore falsely on Exela, and he really has to give it back directly to the owner. Shimhaisait saw Yisaira al Akaran, that if the expenses of traveling all the way to the owner is more even than this principle, this money you have to return, then Mishalm Karam Khaimishlabazin, you can bring it all just to the Bezdin, and it's considered as if the owner received it through the Bezdin, and then maybe Ashamium is kapala, you can bring his carbon and he has his kapara. So Tarfan holds similar to this takana that they made in such a case, here as well, they made this takana that this person is allowed to just give it, in this case, we stole from five people and he doesn't know who to return it to, he could put it down on the table and let them take it. Rabbi Kiva responds and says, Ki When did Rabbana make this kind of takana? That you won't have to give it directly to the person you stole it from. Only if you know who it is that you stole it from. So the money is going to end up back by its original owner when you give it to the Bezdin. But if it's a person that stole from one of five people, and you don't know who it is from. And if you're going to do like what Rav Tarfan said, the original owner is never going to get back his money, then in such a case, Rabbana did not make a takana that you could just put down the money on the table and walk away. That's the case that Rav Akiva and Rav Tarfan argued about. The Rishayim actually say, according to what the Gemara is saying now, the conclusion of the Gemara here, that really the Mishnah can go both according to Rav Akiva and Rav Tarfan. Because really Rav Akiva and Rav Tarfan would agree that when you swear falsely, you have to give the Keren directly back to the owner. LMI, they're arguing regarding such a case when there's five people and the money is not going to get back to the real owner when you're putting it on the table. It's in this case that Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi argue whether they made a special takana that you're able to put it down on the table to, to, to have your kapara or not. But in the case of the Mishnah, Rabbi would agree that you uh, have to give it back to the real owner. But the Gemara asks on this pshat. No, but it doesn't help though. Putting it on the table, giving it to the Bezin is the same exact thing. According to Rabbi Kiva, the original, the real owner is not going to necessarily end up getting it. The five people that are arguing over this. So in such a case, Rabbi Kiva says, it's not enough. You're going to have to pay each one of these people to make sure that the owner gets it. Most of Rav Yehuda, Rav Yehuda asks on this pshat. 
What's the basis of this entire pshat? That the machloikis of Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfan and the Braise is regarding the case of our Mishnah. When a person stole and swore falsely, and the Pasik says that you have to give it back to the original owner, is there an exception to this where Chacham made a takana when you can't give it back to the original owner, that you can just put it on the table? So it's, the, the Braise is speaking about a case where the person swore falsely. So he now is going to ask that we can't say that, that's what the Braise is talking about. Because we have another Braise that says as follows. did not argue when you took, when you, when you bought something, not stole. You bought something, an, an object, from one of five people. And now you don't know who the seller is. In such a case, there's no argument. Everybody agrees. You pay for what you bought. You put down the money between them and you can just walk away and let the true seller get it. Let them figure it out. Where's our whole argument? If you're a gazlin, if you stole, and you don't know who you stole from, says even in this case, you can just leave the money there and let them figure it out. And it's in this case that Rabbi Kiva says that you have to pay each one of them because you're doing an Aveda. The only way to get out of this Aveda is you have the obligation to pay each one of them. That's the distinction that this Braise makes. Says the Gemara now, If, like we said before, this Braise is speaking about a case of a person that swore falsely regarding this money that he owes, like our Mishnah. That's what we'll be comparing it to. If so, mali lokach, mali goza. Why should there be any distinction if you swore falsely regarding money that you owe because of something that you bought or you swore falsely regarding something that you stole? It's the same thing. You're a balaveda. You swore falsely. So in both cases, the Rabakiva's opinion should be the same that you should have the obligation for your tshuva to give it back to the right owner. Another question Rav asked on this pshat. That this Bryce is talking about a case where the person swore falsely. There's a Bryce that says the following. There was a Maise with a Chassid. He bought from two people. And then he didn't remember who he bought from. And I didn't know who he has to pay. And this Chassid came to Rabtaf. And he asked Rabtaf what he should do. So Rabtaf says to him, Just put the money down and let them figure it out. Then Balafne Rabakiva. The chassid came in front of Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva says to him, No, the only way you can pay properly is if you pay each one of these people that could be your seller, but you have to pay both of them. If the case over here is that this person swore falsely, the whole argument of Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi applies only in a case where the person already swore falsely about what he owes here for this uh, thing that he bought, chassid mi mishtaba b'shikra, if it's a story with a chassid, then how can we say that the case is that this person swore falsely? How are we calling him a chassid if this is a person that swears falsely? Now the Gemara says, If you'll argue and say, the mishtaba, that maybe originally he was a balaveda, he swore falsely, and the hada have a chassid. Now he did tshuva. He's about tshuva, and therefore we're calling him a chassid now. So maybe it's still the case of this b'raise that he swore falsely. But the Gemara says that can't be because we know anytime you have an Abraise and it says the expression that there was a story with a Chassid. Who is this Chassid? It's one of these two. And they were Chassidim from before. They're not Bali Tshuva. They were always Chassidim. And therefore, it can't be a situation where he swore falsely in the beginning.
So the Braise that we brought before cannot be such a kind of case. So the answer we said before to compare the Braise to our Mishnah, that it's a case where the person swore falsely, like our Mishnah, is not true. Ella says the Gemara, another pshat. Really, I'll tell you, Raptarfinhi, that our Mishnah goes according to Raptarfin. Now, what was our question? Raptarfin and the Braise said, you don't have to give it back directly to the owner. You can just put it down, and, and the, the right owner has to figure it out. They have to figure it out between them. Says the Gemara, but Raptarfin would agree, in a case where the person swore falsely, that you have to give it back to the true owner. Yeah, so what the Gemara is saying is now the exact opposite. Really, this Braise is talking about a regular gazela. Regarding a regular gazela, there there's a machlekes of Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Tarfin, whether it's your obligation to give it back to the right owner when there's a suffix who that owner is. But in a case where you swore falsely, there Rabbi Tarfin would agree. Rabbi Tarfin would agree that you have to give it back to the right owner based on the pasuk that we brought before. My time that you have to give it back to the right owner. But on that, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Kiva argues and says, Rabbi Kiva's chiddush in the Braise was that even if you did not swear falsely, nevertheless, Konis, Chachamim imposed a penalty that you still have to make sure that you give it back to the right owner in this case where you don't know who it belongs to. That's, so our Mishnah can go both according to Rabbi Kiva and even according to Rabbi Tarfin. But the Gemara asks on this, with Rabbi Tarfin, now you're telling me that Rabbi Tarfin is making a distinction. According to Rabbi Tarfin, it depends if the person swore falsely, you have to give it back to the right owner. Otherwise, you just put the money down there. Let's see. In a case where a person swore falsely, the only time where you have to bring a carbon, the whole halacha of praying the kere and the chaymish and the osham, that's only if you admit it afterwards to your, the fact that you swore falsely. As I mentioned before, the Pasuk says, So then, if the case over here is that the person is admitting what he did wrong, so then you can't make a distinction whether the person swore falsely or not. Even without swearing falsely, it should be if he wants to have a kapare, once he was made and he's coming to do tshuva, so if he wants to have that kapare, he should have to give it back to the right owner, even according to Raptarfin. As we learned in Abraisa, Raptarfin himself says this. Raptarfin admits regarding this case where you stole from five people and you don't know who to return it to. Or a case of two people. He says, I stole from one or two people. I stole from one of from one of these two people a mana of any day. I don't know who it is. So then he should give each one of them a mana for this. Let's just finish it in. Because he is admitting, he's coming to do tshuva. If he's admitting himself to this, so then in this case, he does, if he wants to be Yitzhar, she says, Yidei Shemaim, and he wants to have a kapare, he will have to give back to each one of them separately. So therefore, how can you say that according to Raptarfin, we're talking over here about a kapare that the person wants. And still we're saying that according to Raptarfin, there's a distinction. If you swore falsely about this, then you have to give it back to the right owner to get the kapare. And if not, you don't have to give it back to the right owner. If you're coming and admitting and you want to do tshuva, then Raptarfin himself <laughs> says that for the kapare, you have to give it back to the right owner. Hello, my Rave. So the final pshat here is Rave says that really our Mishnah has nothing to do with this Braise. This Braise is a situation where we don't know who the Nigzal is. Shani Masnisin, our Mishnah though is different than the Braise, the Kivin, the Yodalaman Gosle. 
in our Mishnah, we know who the person you stole it from is. So it's a different story. And you're mighty that this is the person you stole it from. So, since in our Mishnah you know exactly who you stole it from, and you could give back the money to that person, so then in our Mishnah, even before you give it back to that person, over here, it's as if, even before you return it, you are already maideh. What does it mean if you are already maideh? You're basically telling the nigzal, the owner here, that this money, I stole it from you, and I'm holding the money for you. It's in my possession as a pekadin, and I'm holding it for you. So therefore, Hilkoch, therefore we say regarding the case of our Mishnah, Nishba, if the person swore falsely about this, even though he already admitted and he's holding this money for the owner as a Pekadon. So it's like he returned it already because he's just holding it for him as a Pekadon. But in a case where he swore falsely, if you want a kapare for what you did, in such a case, you're going to have to deliver it directly to the owner's hands. It's not enough that you're holding it as a kapare in your hands. However, if he did not swear falsely. So since in our Mishnah, the case is that we know who the owner is, you don't have to return it to the owner himself in order to be Mekayim the Beheshev, to return it to the owner. Because once you admitted and you're telling him, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm holding it on as a Pekotin for you. So then you already return it. So until the person comes and picks it up, it's a Pekotin. The case that Abakiva and Abatarfu are arguing about is in a case where you're not holding it as a Pekotin for the true owner because you don't know who the true owner is. So you can't be holding it as a Pekotin for them. Over there, they're arguing whether you have to give it back to the true owner or not. That has nothing to do with our Mishnah. In our Mishnah, you know who the owner is and you're already returned it the moment you admit you're holding it as a Pekotin. But nevertheless, the Mishnah says, in a case where you made a Shua Sheker and you want to have that Kapare, you're going to have to give it back to the true owner.